What's up, sandwich heads? Today on Steve O's Sandwich Reviews, we've got the tips and tricks to the best sandwich order. And it all starts with this little guy right here Pepsi Zero Sugar. Partial to pastrami, craving a Cubano. Yeah, sounds delicious, but boom! Add the crisp, refreshing taste of Pepsi Zero Sugar and cue the fireworks. Lunch, dinner, or late night, it'll be a sandwich worth celebrating. Trust me, your boy's eaten a lot of sandwiches in his day, and the one thing I can say with absolute fact every bite is better with Pepsi. Hello, and welcome to Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I'm Betty. I'm a flight attendant for a major airline, and I bring you stories from the airplane, from the pilots, from the flight attendants, and from traveling around the world. Today's episode is called Crews Behaving Badly 2. <laughs> it's actually a sequel today. That episode, Crews Behaving Badly, was quite popular, and I tend to get a lot of stories along this vain, <laughs> because we do have some very interesting, rather mischievous flight crews out there. We have pilots playing pranks on flight attendants, flight attendants playing pranks on pilots. And actually, that type of sort of rowdy behavior basically translates to funny. <laughs> so I'm all over it. So let's go ahead and get started with crews behaving badly. This story happened uh, years ago in Dallas, and uh, I exited the uh, the pilot lounge, and I was walking upstairs, and as I came out of the uh, lounge into the uh, terminal, I started walking towards my gate, which is down by uh, gate uh, 34, pretty much on the other end of the concourse. As I'm walking down there, this flight attendant comes up and says, uh, hey, Tom, how are you? And I turn around, look over my shoulder, and here is this absolutely dropped-dead gorgeous, six-foot-tall blonde looking at me. And I looked at her, and I, was, I couldn't remember who she was. I don't think I'd ever met her, don't remember anything about her, but uh, she obviously remembered me. So there's not a pilot in the world that is ever going to say he doesn't know a six-foot-tall, beautiful blonde. So I just looked at her and said, oh, I'm doing great. How are you doing? And uh, so she asked me about how the uh, the wife and kids are, and I said, well, you know, they're doing fine. You know, it's good to see you. And I'm thinking to myself, I don't drink that much on layovers. I would forget this girl. As we go on the concourse, we're chatting away, and she starts telling me about her mom, and, you know, her surgery was successful. And I said, oh, I'm, I'm really glad. I know you were worried about your mom. And then she starts talking about her cat, how her, her cat had, you know, finally succumbed of uh, whatever cats die from, and I can't remember what it is, but... Uh, of course, I was very sympathetic, saying, "Oh, I'm I'm really sorry. You know, I know you loved your cat, and we're just we're just walking along and uh, just chatting away." And I'm trying to remember where on earth did I know this girl from? Did we lay over together? Did we fly together? And and it's not coming to me, but by God, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna let on like I don't remember her because she obviously remembers me. So we walk along and finally get to my gate, which is about uh, four gatehouses before hers, and kind of stammered a goodbye and looked her in the eye and said, well, you know, it's, it's good seeing you again and, you know, looks like life's treating you well. And she stops in the middle of the concourse, sets her suitcase down, crosses her arms and looks at me very indignantly and says, you don't remember me, do you? Well, at that point, you're kind of busted. You said, well, you know, honestly, truly, no, I don't remember you. 
She started laughing. She goes, we've never met. I just read your name off your flight kit. Seven forty-seven. We were ferrying the airplane from. Uh, I think we were going from Rome to to um, Tehran, and we had a full complement of crew, but of course no passengers. And uh, someone said, "Hey, let's go surfing." And being young and foolish like all of us in those days, I I grabbed a um, a plastic tray, and the plastic trays are probably about oh, a little bit bigger than a newspaper, folded in half. Uh, positioned myself, waited for the the aircraft to, to start rolling down the runway. You said it was a 747. The 7-4, yeah. And the, the the goal is to to hold yourself until the aircraft starts moving, and you don't really let go until the aircraft rotates and lifts off the ground. And you get the, and you think, oh, I've got a handle on this. And the, the, the runway's going by, and all of a sudden you don't, you don't realize that you're doing you're doing 140 miles an hour, and you let go and you start sliding. And when that when that, when that nose picks up, you you accelerate. Actually, you're slowing down, and the airplane's going faster. And I was doing fine until I hit the mid galley. I forgot all about the rubber floor in the mid galley. Did you fall? Uh, I, yeah, yeah. The, tr- the tray stopped, and I didn't. Last uh, November 2005, I was uh, working a flight from uh, San Francisco to Honolulu, and we were uh, doing the on-ground service in first class. I was setting up the first class galley, and I was working with a very animated, outgoing flight attendant who, who will talk to a millionaire the same way she'll talk to a homeless person. She has no qualms about. She's just genuine and, and true, and she just she'll just say whatever's on her mind. So she was working the cabin, doing pre-departure drinks, and I was waiting in the galley with with glasses iced, waiting for the orders. She didn't come back. Didn't come back. I looked out into the aisle, and she had a bottle of red wine in her right hand, and a stack of plastic glasses in her left. And she was going, she was saying to the passengers, Sir, would you like to try a glass of our delicious red wine? It's called Arrogant Frog and it's imported from France. <laughs> try this delicious red wine. And then she'd go and she, they'd take a cup off the stack. She, they'd turn it right side up. She'd pour it. She'd wait to see what they say. And they would nod and she would go on to the next person. So another, so a couple minutes. I said uh, to the, I said, why are you, uh, why aren't you doing drinks? She said, because they love the red wine and it's easier. So, so this this girl was was an a uh, was a wine aficionado. (laughs) Red wine was her drink of choice, and she, um, but she had had maybe a little bit too much red wine in her time, and decided that it was a good idea to stop drinking. So. A couple minutes later, some more passengers got on. She went out with her cup, a stack of cups, and her bottle of red wine. Said, 
Sir, madam, would you like to try our delicious red wine? It's called Arrogant Frog. I said, and they were obviously very sophisticated wine connoisseurs, and they said, well, what, well, what's it like? What's it taste like? She said, well, I don't know, because I'm an alcoholic, and I don't drink. And that's pretty much, she said that as so loud, and the whole cabin fell out laughing. Half the cabin was in hysterics, half the cabin was horrified. another one of my stories about crews behaving badly, and this one was at my expense, <laughs> even though I thought it was funny. Um, you know, I don't know if you've noticed, maybe from my voice, but I tend to have a lot of energy. <laughs> I usually tend to be in a good mood, and, uh, you know, most people tend to notice. So one day, there were three flight attendants standing around the galley, and this flight attendant was saying, you know, you are always in such a good mood. You always have so much energy. And this other flight attendant standing with us who, shall we say, sort of has a bit of a sourpuss, you know, she's rather um, complains a lot, a little negative. <laughs> she goes, I find it irritating. <laughs> and I guess I was supposed to be insulted that I, I irritate her because I'm in a good mood. But I just thought it was so perfect. It was so perfect for her personality to say, I find it irritating. <laughs> hey, at least she's honest. There was this captain in Houston, very nice southern country gentleman. Flight attendants loved him, great to fly with, passengers loved him, but he just spoke real slow. So we were flying up to New York many, many years ago, and uh, he's talking to New York Center, and New York Center talks as if they're on a Federal Express commercial, very fast. And he said to New York, the co-pilot's flying, says, New York Center, this is one, two, three. You hear how fast I'm talking? That's how fast I listen. <laughs> and he just, apparently, even New York Center got a chuckle out of that one. Okay, here's a good one. After, um, if you ever want to have fun with <laughs> with the hotel management and you like are with a fun crew and you go out drinking, it's always very fun to take like the furniture in the room and uh, the 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 lamp and the palm and the chair and the, whatever you can fit and put it into the elevator <laughs> and send it to the lobby and let it ride around all night. <laughs> always good for a laugh, especially it's more fun when you drink, but. Back? No, you just let it ride around in the elevator. Is it when they get to your room, it's half empty? No, you take one, you take one thing from everybody's room so they can't figure it out. Yeah, One lamp from one room, one chair from another room, a palm from another room, stuff from the elevator lobby. I believe it was in the 80s when Mount St. Helen exploded. We were flying Portland, and uh, it was on a 727. And we were boarding. 
uh, these two young men got on and said, which uh, side of the airplane will Mount St. Harold's be on? And I said, the outside. <laughs> <laughs> In the Marine Corps, we were uh, deployed to 29 Palms, California for a uh, combined arms exercise where we do live fire close proximity to the ground troops. And uh, we were firing 5-inch Zuni rockets, and we didn't use all our rockets, so we were coming back to land at the uh, airstrip out there. Uh, I told my, uh, my wingman, okay, let's go nose cold. So he went to turn our master arm switches off, and I, I heard this. What's nose cold? Uh, it means to deactivate, disarm the weapons. And uh, we heard this whoosh, and a rocket from his wing went flying off. And we watched the smoke trail, and it just disappeared over the horizon. And it had a uh, high explosive warhead on it. And nobody got hurt or anything? All I heard on the radio was from my England was, damn. <laughs> I was afraid to say anything. So we watched, never saw an impact on the ground. It just disappeared into infinity. So nothing else was said between the two of us. I didn't think I needed to say anything at that point. We went and landed, and as we're walking across the, uh, the flight line, we see uh, the SAR helicopter scramble, the search and rescue helicopter, we both look at each other like, I hope it's not from your rocket, but it wasn't. Turns out it wasn't, but uh, nothing was ever said about it ever since. <laughs> uh, we have a yearly uh, retraining course called Jet Recurrent, and we go to Salt Lake every year. And uh, the the same girl that I just told the story about the arrogant frog was she and I were in the same recurrent training class last year. We all and uh, and uh, we were in our first aid training class, and we have these uh, dummies called the Recessa Annies that 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 are like um, these plastic corpses that lie on the floor, and this is what we practice our CPR training on. And uh, this girl, uh, she was to my right. And then I was, ne I was next to her. There was another, uh, another uh, flight attendant next to me. And then the, on the, to the left of her was this other flight attendant who uh, is former Pan Am. She happens to be a very staunch Republican, very outspoken in her views. Everyone knows who she is and knows that she just loves George Bush. So we were, tr we were all doing our... Uh, chest compressions and our breathing and uh, this flight attendant, the Republican, I'll call her she, she says I don't understand I can't get the breath into Annie <laughs> so my friend to the right sits up and says just pretend it's George W. Bush <laughs> again, some laughs from the class and some horrified looks <laughs> Oh, and we had an FAA, in, um, we had an FAA instructor, uh, FAA observer that day, uh, observing our class. So, Recessa, Recessa, Recessa George. <laughs> Pretend it's a Recessa Bush.
<laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> it was such a bush. <laughs> All right, we'll think. Okay, the Rosetta Annie. Okay, but it does fit because because this woman probably would try harder to save President Bush if he were lying dead on the floor. This is a story from the early Western Airline days. We used to do what is known as a urine test into Canada. And we always try to do it on a new flight attendant. What we would do is before we started our descent into Canada, we would all go into the restroom, including the captain, and we would all fill up our cups and glasses with ginger ale, different amounts of coke, and then we'd bring it out and we would label it. Apple juice and so forth, and then we would get the. We tell the new flight attendant that this is for the drug testing, the urine testing into Canada. Everybody has to do it. And then, before the new flight attendant would go in the restroom to do it, we would start commenting like, "Oh, I had some poppy seeds. It has some things in it, or I smoked some marijuana and the day before it's going to be there." Then we would all down our urine. And then we try to make her go into the restroom to do her thing and down her urine. And it's called the urine test into Canada. Did anyone ever do it? No one ever do it, but it was it was very good. Now, this particular story, it's one of my stories that happened on my flight, and I've been a little hesitant to do it, even though it was so funny, just because it is slightly off-color, and hopefully it won't offend anybody out there, but... Part of the reason why I love this story is so many of our flight attendants are so quick-witted. I mean, it's just amazing when they can come up with a punchline one, you know, the event is still going on. So I was on this flight and it was in Mexico City and it was an early morning flight and sometimes we transport prisoners. And usually in the States, when we're transporting a prisoner, they're usually handcuffed or something. But this is Mexico, and it's different there. And they had two rather large sort of out of shape um, law enforcement men with the one prisoner. And they told us ahead of time before boarding that we'd have this prisoner on board that he was a child molester, and they were taking him back to the States to be prosecuted. Now, we started boarding, and I'm in first class, and I'm already sort of forgetting about the prisoner. Nothing usually ever happens when there's a prisoner on board. They're very quiet. They sit there. Um, and I'm I'm in first class. I'm in the first class galley. And all of a sudden, I hear this PA with the other flight attendants who, who's in the back, and she said, he's running, he's running. And I'm thinking... Who's running? What is she talking about? But what I didn't know is she, they had taken the prisoner and the two law officers to the very last row of the 757. And he was motivated not to go back to the States for prosecution. So he decided he was going to make a run for it. And when the flight attendant in the back saw him starting to run, the only thing she could think of doing was get on the PA to let everybody know he was running. But all she said was, he's running, he's running. So I then get out into the aisle to see what's going on from first class. And I see this man, I hadn't even seen him get on, so I didn't even know what he looked like, running all the way from the back of the 75, all the way up to the front. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, it's the prisoner who's running. And then the two heavyset <laughs> policemen 
chasing after him pretty far behind him because they're, uh, you know, out of shape. Well, the passengers just seem to part ways, just like the parting of the seas in the Bible. They all, you know, they never move out of the aisle, but they moved out of the aisle when this crazy guy was running, you know, full speed. So they, they parted ways and the prisoner comes running up and then the law enforcement people started getting motivated, I guess, and they got, uh, he started gaining on him. And by the time he got all the way to the door that he boarded in, the, um, the officers finally caught up with him and they shoved him down to the ground on the 757 on the floor in the galley. And they had his arm behind him. They had to pin back. He was bleeding and he was doing some sort of weird convulsing. And at this point now I'm in that galley watching this thinking, is he having a seizure or is it because they got his arm pinned back or what is, you know, he was just like, undulating on the galley floor and the male flight attendant who is so quick-witted is also standing in uh, the galley because he had been greeting and he said funny he doesn't look like a priest <laughs> because he was a child molester i could not believe the thing the event was still going on so going on the guy was on the ground with the officers on top of him and he already had a joke oh it's so funny that guy is just so quick with <laughs> so the guy didn't go on our flight We have this flight attendant. He's um, he's very funny, but he's also very bitter, and not in such a bad way. But he can be very biting and sarcastic. He's very sweet, but he's very flaming, and uh, <laughs> yeah. So so this so this one fl- so he and the, the other girl uh, Miss Colorful. We're on a flight, and all of a sudden, this um, uh, man, this passenger, has starts having chest pains. So they call for a doctor. A doctor, doctor comes to the comes to the rescue. This was on an all nighter, all night flight from like Honolulu or Maui back to Los Angeles, and it was right after we'd taken our pay cut and our everyone's morale was down, and so. So they're rushing around, getting the AED and the on the um, you know the defibrillator and all that stuff, oxygen, and the doctor, and the doctor uh, says, "I need light. I need light in the cabin because the cabin was dark." So Miss Colorful goes back to the flight attendant who's sitting on the on the jump seat right underneath the the main cabin lights. He's got his cup of coffee. And his newspaper spread out, <laughs> sitting on the jump seat, not responding at all to the medical. So Miss Colorful says, uh, uh, okay, so, so says, Bob, <laughs> Bob, Bob, the doctor says we need the cabin lights on. Bob looks over at Miss Colorful and says, the lights stay off. <laughs> Bob, Bob, the man's in cardiac arrest. Bob says, if I turn on the cabin lights, they'll all be in cardiac arrest. The lights stay off. They get them off. <laughs> and so Miss Colorful goes around to all the jump seats gathering, gathering the emergency flashlights. 
takes them back to the doctor, says, sorry, we can't turn on the cabin lights, but here, and she held them in a group of four, like an operating room, over, illuminating the spot over the, over the patient while he worked. That's about it for this episode of Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I hope you've enjoyed the stories about crews behaving badly. And, you know, actually, I don't even consider it behaving badly. I just like the title. But uh, I think that in any job you're going to have, in any profession, you're going to have lots of personalities. And sometimes some are just more spirited than others. And sometimes people will ask me, you've been flying a long time. Do you still like your job. And I usually tell them, you know, I still have fun at work. And I think that's very valuable. So whatever job you have, whatever you do, I hope you have some fun at work. And I hope you'll join me again next time for another episode of Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. Thanks. Bye.